Welcome to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Welcome. Today is Wednesday, July 19th. My name is Carl Michael Henneking, and I'm hosting this show today. One of the hottest topics in the digital asset space, definitely in decentralized finance, is Ethereum staking. Just this month, the number of staked ETH surpassed 21 million, a key driver of the staking ecosystem, particularly in the last six to nine months, is a very flexible form of staking, Ethereum tokens, which is based on liquid staking derivatives. So I'm super happy to have Adam Campbell from Staking Rewards with me today to talk about the liquid staking ecosystem. What are the drivers and how liquid staking finance will evolve in the future? A very warm welcome, Adam. Great to be here with you, Carmichael. Off to a strong start. It's a big pleasure to have you on the show. And Adam, just getting to know you a bit better, uh, what brought you to the crypto space? Was there a kind of moment of truth for you? Yeah, good question. I think everyone in the crypto space has had a moment of truth. And mine came in 2017, like many, in the bull run. So... I was interested in Bitcoin, originally Ethereum investing there, and I rode the wave up, caught all the excitement, and then, yeah, was ultimately part of the crash. But following that, it made me look a bit deeper into blockchain and in particular smart contracts, Ethereum and other smart contract platforms. And I got more interested in other kind of areas or use cases for blockchain. So, yeah, I got really into how it could help the world, the global economy, give people digital identity and the likes. So, and yeah, I've been hooked ever since. And now you are with Staking Rewards, correct? Yes, that's right. So I'm the growth manager at Staking Rewards. Do you want me to give a little bit of an intro? Yes, please. Rewards? What's Staking Rewards? Business model about it. What's your vision? What you're doing at Staking Rewards for the guys who don't know it uh, among our listeners? Sure. So Staking Rewards is the market leader in staking data. We were established in 2019 and we have four kind of main areas that we operate in. We have our website that we offer tools and research to investors, crypto investors and stakers. That They include like a staking calculator. You can compare staking providers side by side or various metrics covering different staking ecosystems. We have our API which gives access to staking data. And that's currently used by Bloomberg, Coinbase, Binance, and a host of other people. We run the annual staking summit, which is essentially the staking industry under one roof. This year, it's going to be in Istanbul, November 9th to 11th, and that's a thousand cap. So it's quite a concentrated group of people that love staking and are in the staking industry. And yeah, finally, we have Verified Staking Provider Program, which is the leading certification where we audit staking providers and we have over top 50 of the top staking providers in the industry today. That's quite a comprehensive portfolio. I knew you mainly from your website, www.stakingrewards and then all the great statistics uh, you are providing. And some of them are on liquid staking derivatives, obviously. But before we dive deeper into this topic, let's briefly talk about some basics. So 
We will focus in this podcast on Ethereum staking for an overview of other proof-of-stake projects, their staking ratio, their market caps and rewards. I recommend visiting www.stakingrewards.com. Ethereum transitioned from the proof-of-work consensus mechanism to proof-of-stake last year and has undergone a major upgrade in April this year called Chapella. Up until this upgrade, staked Ethereum tokens were basically locked for an unknown time. Since the implementation of Chapella, tokens can be unstaked by investors at their discretion. That's a very strong, important move forward. So interestingly, the Chapella upgrade and the option to unstake didn't lead to a decrease in the staking ratio because you could have expected, okay, now a lot of Ethereum's formerly staked Ethereum will be thrown on the market, but that didn't happen. Instead, the opposite happened. The e-staking ratio increased further. So more than 21 million e's are staked now. And currently, there's a long entry queue for new validators. More than 80,000 validators are there with a queue wait time of more than 35 days. So there's really strong demand for Ethereum staking at the moment. One reason for the surge in Ethereum staking is the rise of liquid staking derivatives. Liquid staking derivatives... However you qualify them or classify them, you can call them as a form of pooled staking. Next to this pooled staking, there are also alternatives. One is the classical e-staking, so running an own validator, often called solo staking. You can use third-party services, so validators as a service, or you can use a centralized entity like Coinbase and Binance. As an elevator pitch, Adam, and very briefly, what are the key differences between these different forms of e-staking and why did liquid e-staking become so popular recently? Yeah, great question. So, yeah, as you mentioned, the Chappella upgrade was a big unlock event in the Ethereum world. Essentially, before that, running you know a validator involved quite a high upfront cost. You needed 32 ETH. You needed quite high and specific hardware requirements, and you needed the technical ability to know how to run the node, the validator node. So basically, it was only select people that could participate in that. You know, liquid staking allows people to participate in staking without those requirements, which is a big driver. The Chappella unlock event, which happened in April, basically gave the ability for validators to withdraw and deposit their ETH at their own leisure. So this was quite significant because it meant people could withdraw from the nodes as they wish and use that staked ETH wherever they may. So you mentioned this did spur big inflows into Ethereum. And that's that's really interesting because the naysayers were saying, you know, it's going to go down. Everyone's going to take out their Ethereum and run away, run to the hills. But that's not what happened, which, you know, I think many of us didn't think that was going to happen anyway. So yeah, inflows into Ethereum have increased. We're seeing 100 million net staking inflows every day, which is fantastic and really kind of proves that the staking industry is going from strength to strength. That is partly because people can withdraw their ETH now and they can use that elsewhere. So the combined TVL of all liquid staking tokens on Ethereum has reached a market cap of 18 plus billion, pushing 20 now. And LSTs have been crowned the highest ranking category in DeFi, surpassing the com combined TVL of decentralized exchanges, which is, you know, 
fascinating. So it's been a, a big pull into liquid staking following Chappella. Yeah, and from a from an investor perspective, just to make it clear, you said it two times, but to make it clear to our listeners, so let's say classical solo ease staking means you provide your ease and then it's staked, right? You cannot use it. If you provide your ease to liquid staking protocols like Lido, Rocket Pool, or Frax, you get a token and you can use this token in other application. That means you have essentially two yield sources. First, you get a reward for staking in the uh, liquid staking protocol. Let's say three to four or with even higher APY. And then on top, you can use your staked ease, whatever SDEs for Lido or RES for Rocket Pool and put it in other liquidity pools and earn an additional yield. So it's uh, generally possible to kind of double your yield and that makes it especially attractive on top of the fact that you don't have all these technical complexities, right? Yeah, exactly. You said it. So it's liquid by nature. You can use those tokens in other areas of DeFi. So they're like DeFi compatible versions of your staked assets. Using Lido as an example, you know, it, STETH is like a tradable receipt of ETH locked through Lido to secure yeah. the Ethereum chain. Yeah, for example, if, yeah, so example, if you would like use STEs in an STEs and ETH curve pool on Harvest, you currently get an, an APY of 4%, which just comes on top of your staking rewards. That yeah. makes it really interesting. Is the list FI, so liquid staking token finance, targeting the retail market or crypto institutional market? I mean, how can so much money be moved in such a short period of time? Does it have a significant share of crypto institutions investing in or using liquid e-staking? So I would say not yet. It's obviously quite a new market. I think it's mainly retail currently. I feel institutions have, you know, everyone has a different risk appetite and it's still a nascent industry, liquid staking tokens. I feel like they've still got a lot to prove. So it's a growing industry and it's looking very promising and everyone's really excited. But I feel institutions, we're not quite sure where the entry point and mass adoption is going to be there yet. It's certainly on the horizon, I feel. Let's talk about risks a little bit later and dive a little bit deeper, not too deep, into the different like providers for liquid staking, yeah, liquid sure. staking protocols. Like so we have Lido, Rocket Pool, and Frax Finance. What's the difference between these staking providers? For example, Lido, you get 3.8% APY at the moment. With Rocket Pool, you get 3.3% as rewards. Where is this difference coming from and how do, for example, Lido and Rocket Pool differ in their approach? It's Lido obviously have the market share. These are the three big boys in the liquid staking market right now, not talking about Coinbase, but the big three kind of decentralized players. So let's talk about Lido first. They were first to market, I guess you could say. Uh, well, the way they operate is they don't just exclusively focus on Ethereum. They have other chains in there too. I know we're talking about Ethereum today. So Lido have the dominant share in the market, liquid staking market. They have, yeah, over 70% share. The way Lido operates is they have around 30 validators, I believe, operating. And they were first movers and they really have capitalized on that market. 
they're very selective in selective in selecting their validators, right? This is a big difference to Rocket Pool, correct? Exactly. Rocket Pool have over 3,000 validators and their barrier to entry for running a node is lower ETH. So you don't need the usual 32 ETH as which you would need for Lido. And, you know, Rocket Pool really seem to be going for, for the decentralized angle by having more validators, which I think is really great. Rocket Pool quite well established themselves and haven't been around as long as Lido, but they've been around for, you know, well over a year, year and a half, maybe. So, yeah, that's a big comparison with Lido. And then looking at Frax, you know, Frax have really only been in the, the liquid staking game since last year. They've got a whole ecosystem, Frax. They offer a whole range of services and infrastructure built on their own kind of assets. So yeah, they have Frax Swap, Frax Lend, Frax Ferry. But yeah, Frax ETH, they've got quite big liquidity provisions in Curve and they seem to have a much higher yield or have typically had a higher yield than both Rocket and Lido. You know, the reward rewards market for the liquid staking does fluctuate, but Frax has always been towards the top end of that and that's because they offer their stakers the option to provide liquidity on top to um, Curve. Yeah, and if we compare, let's say, Lido, so their token is STEs and Rocket Pool, their token is REs. I mean, they work a little bit different, right? One is rebathing, the other one is accumulating rewards. Can you just briefly tell the difference, how that works? Yeah, sure. I'm not an expert on that field, but I would say that rebasing is a algorithmic approach to a stable coin. So they're, they're pegged to ETH and re rebasing, they burn their tokens or create more to achieve a stable match on ETH. So that, that's what the difference is there. And REs, they, the REs token is normally at a higher price than ETH because it includes the rewards generated by Rocket Pool, correct? That's correct, yeah. I mean, this can have tax implications as well. I don't want to go into this into detail, but some colleagues of mine from the DeFi Industry Council just published a paper on, on LSD, so liquid staking derivatives, and they have two chapters on legal and tax implications. So that's quite interesting for the listeners to read. I will put it into the show notes. So we haven't talked about Coinbase or, or Binance. So Coinbase has this CBEs coin. What their role in the market? So Coinbase have been around for a long time now. They're a, you know, a fully regulated entity, publicly traded company. I think this does a lot to give retail investors and the like confidence because you don't really know the operators behind Rocket and Lido and I feel, you know, Coinbase does have, and Binance does have a, a place in this market. Coinbase, I think they have around 1.1 million ETH staked now and the market share of 11%. But I also saw that they were losing market share against these new, like, decentralized uh, players. Um, has this something to do with the APYs they are offering? And, and how do you see the APYs or staking rewards developing Um Let's say, how was it historically, for example, last year? And, and how do you see the, the future of APYs or yields you can generate with staking ease? Yeah, I mean, APYs are dependent on Ethereum usage, right? And I think they are anticipated to go down over time. 
that's where LST Fi can come in and being able to generate more yield on your staked tokens is a great thing and really appealing to people. You know, often people are chasing the highest yield. This is because of this kind of reuse of the token and other applications, right? Because I think the APY for solo staking, so running your own node, is around 5.5% at the moment. Lido at 3.8, Rocket Pool 3.3, and Coinbase is 3.7. So with especially with Lido and Rocket Pool, the, the real game is to use these tokens and other applications, right? And then to double uh, your yield. Is this correct? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say double, you know, a lot of people are gunning for the highest possible APY that does come with additional risk. Yeah, I mean, just going back to Coinbase as well, you know, Coinbase are a fully regulated organization and see that, you know, they've, they've built up a lot of respect in the industry and they're known for being, yeah, a really solid centralized player, right? So I think they are a safe bet, but We have all seen the pitfalls of centralized kind of operations and how that can go wrong and, you know, not your keys, not your wallet. So allowing them to be a custodian of your assets is a decision you need to make. So, you know, there is that consideration as well, I think, certainly for retail investors to make. So you're kind of referring to different risk profiles here. Obviously, centralized and decentralized entities have different uh, risk profiles. And you were talking about Rocket Pool and Lido. I think both are DAOs, so decentralized autonomous organizations. If we talk about decentralized liquid staking derivatives, what are the risks? You also mentioned this in the, in the context of institutions being a little bit shy to jump into the market. What kind of risks have to be managed? I mean, there's a great deal of risk there and some of it is kind of hidden out of sight as well to, I guess, regular retail investors. The great thing about decentralized platforms is, you know, centralized operations, black box, you know, you never really know what's going on. But theoretically, with decentralized and smart contracts, you can you can kind of read those and see how they're operating, not saying that, you know, a large proportion of people have the technical know-how how to do that. That's why at Staking Rewards, we do our verified staking provider certification. The type of things we look at to certify a provider would be, we look at their their business operations, you know, where where's their legal entity registered? You know, how transparent are they with their kind of day-to-day operations? What kind of insurance do they give for slashing risks? Yeah, there's a whole host of stuff that can be looked at and need to be looked at, I feel. So yeah, we take out some of that legwork for you anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of considerations that do need to be made when when you tie up your assets with someone. So yeah, pros and cons of both decentralized and centralized. Does it include smart contract risk? Do you also assess smart contract risk for liquid staking providers? Yeah. Who have they been audited by? How frequent are their audits? Do they have bug bounties on offer? Are they actively pursuing and testing and stress testing their their system? These are all really important things that I think everyone needs to look out for. So there's the business operations, like who are the team, but there's also the more technical aspects of how their smart contracts have been written, put together and who they've been audited by. It's all really important. How do you see the future of e-staking? Where is the market heading? Will there be fundamentally new products coming? 
Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've seen a lot of that this year, a lot of innovation this year, especially in liquid staking. There's protocols like Eigenlayer, which I won't get into today, but is, you know, very innovative and that's restaking and essentially creating their own marketplace for people that want to build on Ethereum through the restaking. Um, and yeah, with liquid staking, there's a whole you know, LST Fi, which has really kind of launched off this year and made a mark. So we've got protocols like Pendle Finance who are looking at, you know, interest rate swaps. We've got DEXs. This is fixed rate, right? So Pendle is about providing fixed rate e-staking, right? And yeah, uh, compared yeah. to volatile. That's, that's, I think, a very important point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of innovation going on. There's a whole like subsets of categories and more more kind of areas that people haven't even really explored. So the innovation is here. I think that obviously does come again with a level of risk, but there's more than, you know, more than 50 new liquid stake LST Fi protocols that have launched in the last few months and got, got clawed away at some market share. And it's very interesting. We're currently working on an ultimate guide to LST Fi and there's like collateral debt positions, stable coins like Libra, Raft, Prisma. And yeah, I've mentioned Pendle, but there's also other ones in kind of interest rate swaps like Flash Stake, Vaults. And then you've got more like DEX kind of yield strategies. Like so that's yield per- optimization, you mean? Or like leveraged e-staking? Yeah, exactly. There's also a few indexes popping up so you can diversify across a number of liquid staking tokens and yeah just different ways to generate yield using your holdings so it's a a very interesting time and i think that's just set to continue growing and liquid staking tokens or liquid staking derivatives are the new kind of collateral in DeFi. so it it really is turning into a pillar of the entire DeFi ecosystem which is very interesting and i can only see that continuing to grow I think it's really enormous innovation. If you say more than 50 new protocols, that's massive. I mean, fixed rate, e-staking instead of volatile staking, Pendle you mentioned. You mentioned like these kind of leveraged e-staking for yield optimization. Then there's aggregators, so combining in an index several yeah, several liquid staking protocols or so diversifying the risk. That, that's quite interesting. And I think you at Staking Rewards, you're also planning a kind of Call it an index or aggregator product with your SREs. Is this correct? Yeah, that's right. So SRE is a robust way to stake your Ethereum. And while we're we're quite uniquely positioned in that staking rewards, you know, are and have been an unbiased kind of unbiased voice in the staking industry. And we're quite different in that we don't run a node ourselves. We don't have a token. And yeah, this is going to be our first on-chain endeavor into a product. And yeah, we're working with Spool, who have been developing their V2, which is really exciting. And they're like a middleware for DeFi. And they offer people the ability to create their own smart vaults and add their own strategies across LSTs. So that would mean, for example, you combine Lido, Frax, and rocket pool with a certain weighting with a risk weight and this is automatically managed if the market condition change everything is auto compounded and that provides a risk diversified optimized staking yield is this correct if i summarize it like that 
Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. So SRE is going to kick off with, yeah, the, the top three. So Lido, um, Rocket and Frax. And yeah, we will have an allocation of each in our strategy. We haven't announced our weighting yet, but it's likely to be mainly made up of those three. And then on top of that, we're going to layer DeFi. And what SRE is positioning to do is to be more like an all-weather staking index, kind of giving a, a nod to Mr. Dalio, but yeah, minimizing volatility with a more predictable yield because the rewards market is often volatile. It can range between like 3 and 8%. And we have identified that users of our website um, and we get 200, 300,000 a month using our tools. We've surveyed them and we found that there is an appetite for people that do want to plan ahead and more looking to go on a long road trip instead of these wild fluctuations in the rewards market. We're looking to provide a bit more stability to the staking rewards market. So we can always pr promise the best vanilla staking rewards on ETH, but you know, backed from additional yield from DeFi and we will adjust those strategies over time. So you mentioned the programmability through Spool and their smart vaults that affords us to be able to yeah adjust the risk as we see fit and we have a team of researchers as well that you know control the leading staking api in the industry so we will be um, adjusting risk as we see fit and looking for a more level yield over time when will the product go live approximately i mean it's in de under development i know do you have a a timeline a rough timeline yeah, so the the launch will be within the next couple of weeks. It should be the, the tail end of July, potentially the start of August. We're really excited to go live. And there are other index products out there in the liquid staking market. And everyone seems to be offering the highest yield, the, the best yield. And the approach we're going for is, as I mentioned, not so much the highest yield. Uh, and that, that could also appeal to people that have a slightly different risk appetite. I agree, especially, I mean, if we look a longer way forward, especially institutions, again, they need a risk management approach. They will not go for max yield. They need to ensure their clients that uh, the volatility is somehow uh, controlled and that there are no, no risks of uh, fully losing their invested uh, capital. What kind of TVL are you looking for in one or two years for, for your product? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> to be one naughty question, yeah. <laughs> the killer question. Huh? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're taking a sensible approach you know, with Spools V2, which is just launching within the next week or so, I believe. We're taking a kind of risk-adjusted approach, so we'd like to see how that that rolls out. I think in terms of AUM, you know, sky's the limit with institutions, right? So <laughs> I think I think you know we'd. Within the first few weeks, we'd like to see at least a million AUM, but we're going to take it slow and we're not looking to run before we can walk. Even though we I have mean, confidence and spool in our strategies, yeah, we take things slow. We've got a lot going on at Staking Rewards as well. So, Classical British understatement, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Okay, since we come to the end of the interview, I have a final question, which is not related to LSDs or LSTFI. At the moment, it's a so-called golden question, which is typically a bit challenging, and the answer is normally quite subjective. So the golden question for you, Adam, is 
is crypto summer coming soon? And what do you see as the main driver for the next crypto summer, whenever it will come? Is it changes in the Fed interest rate regime? Is it institutional adoption? For, for example, BlackRock, Bitcoin ETF. Is it more regulatory clarity in the US? Is it the Bitcoin halving or is it something else? How do you see that personally? I think, you know, Carl Michael, I think it's all of those things. I think there needs to be <laughs> synergy <laughs> across all all kind of areas of the market. I, th I feel like regulation is probably a good thing. You know, the, the Ripple case was a triumph, I feel, for the crypto industry. And I would hope that it kind of sets a precedence for some of the other dealings the F SEC have. But I feel like when re regulation comes, that will set the kind of bar and just clear out some of the kind of speculators. As I mentioned earlier, We're seeing massive inflows into Ethereum staking currently every day. That's not slowing down. I feel like there's a lot of tokens out there that are worthless. I certainly don't think, you know, even though it does have a part to play that meme coins push in the next bull run. But yeah, where's the bottom of the market? We don't try and time these markets. We just build you know, during the down periods and inevitably these bull runs will happen again. But I don't like to speculate myself. I think the halving's certainly very interesting and that has that has kind of typically been a good marker for when these things happen. So yeah, and another deflective answer there, I feel. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's a synergy between everything and I feel interest rates cause yeah, are a massive driver in all of this as well. You know, when people have more money, I feel, and more security, I feel like they're gonna be more likely to make investments like this and um larry fink coming out the other day and saying what he said is you know very bullish i mean blackrock are the biggest digital asset firm in the world say so i don't think you can get a better endorsement than that from someone in the industry so high up adam thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing your your deep insights It's great pioneering work, I think, what you are doing at, at Staking Rewards. And I'm really looking forward to SREs, your risk managed staking index product that you're launching in collaboration with SpoolFi. Adam, that was a big pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. And thanks. Dear listeners, we hope you enjoyed this talk about liquid staking derivatives and the LST Fi market. If you like the content, subscribe to this podcast. Stay tuned. Stay loyal to the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise. Mm -hmm.